Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundromat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. Hey everybody, Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. In this episode, we're doing something very different from anything we've ever done. And there are a few reasons for that. Primarily, this episode is about... Game shows, TV game shows, and that's for a couple of reasons. For one thing, as you guys know, I am from the St. Louis region, and at the end of last week, NBC got a hold of me saying, hey, we have a contestant on The Weakest Link from St. Louis who's going to air on uh, Monday night's episode, and maybe you'd be interested in uh, talking about that. Sort of on a whim, like I wasn't sure, but I got back in touch with them and said, you know, it, it's a good time for it, and uh, yeah, I can, I can get the word out. No problem. Thanks for letting me know. They very kindly got back in touch with me and said, why don't we connect you with the contestant? You can talk to him, grab some audio clips. And I said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. You know, so sure enough, we set up a time and I got an opportunity to talk to St. Louis's, we'll call him our hometown hero for the day. We will hear from him here in this episode. And then later tonight, we'll see how he does on The Weakest Link. That's extremely cool. We will also talk about the time that The Weakest Link hit video game consoles, how that worked, how that was received, and for fun, I wanted to kind of share some thoughts on how I think there could be a fantastic tie-in for the newest iteration of The Weakest Link if they wanted to make a video game. Just for fun, we'll talk some design features that work that don't work. I thought that might be a nice way to uh, fill out the episode. And I'm working on this on Sunday. By random chance, this happened to be the day that Alex Trebek, the, what, 35-plus year host of Jeopardy, passed away. I want to spend some time with that here at the top of the show because, again, it's super random that I'm working on the first and maybe only TV game show episode, and I I heard this news. Um, I was not a casual fan of Alex Trebek at all. Me and my grandfather used to watch Jeopardy while I grew up. I loved my grandpa. He loved trivia and we would sit and watch Jeopardy every once in a while. I would, I would get a a question right and he would be so proud of me. And and he knew my grandpa knew everything about everything. It was crazy. You know, he's from that generation where everyone had to do everything. And so he was such a bright guy, well-read. And I was so impressed by that. And so, you know, trivia was more than a little game for, for me. It was a, a way to connect with my grandfather. And, you know, I, I held people who knew a lot just in awe because that, that was so impressive to me. Again, back in those days, they put that knowledge to work, man. That, that put food on the table. That got people jobs they never would have got otherwise. That helped them work. That helped them live. You know, Jeopardy was a big deal for him, you know, to kind of stay sharp. And he sure did. Stayed sharp his entire life. And for me, it was a way to learn, connect, you know, discover little bits and pieces about the world. So I loved Jeopardy growing up. And after I put myself through college, got out into the workforce, the second job I had out of college was a startup that was expanding after they got a whole bunch of investment money and started doing really well for themselves. And they were hiring a bunch of, you know, young and hip people, you know, how startups do. But it was here in the Midwest So it wasn't quite Silicon Valley, but 
as I got to know the people around me who were all getting hired at the same time, I made a friend who I think I thought to talk to him because he was reading like it was like a film industry trade magazine or something. I thought he's a really interesting guy. And sure enough, he told me he was involved in independent film and had graduated from Webster's film program and everything. But this guy, I found out, also had this really strong passion for trivia. And so we would we would chit chat over that. And eventually we became friends and we would uh, we did a couple of trivia nights together. We set up our lunch period to basically meet up, go to the, the office gym and we would put on Jeopardy reruns in the afternoon and we would, you know, drill ourselves and blurt out answers and just laugh and have a fun time. And eventually, while we were still at that job, I worked there three or four years. When the Jeopardy auditions came through St. Louis, he took a day, auditioned for Jeopardy and was selected. And so then our Jeopardy time turned into like boot camp because, I mean, he was way harder core than I was. You'll hear this again in my in my interview with Spencer. Uh, I don't think I could handle that kind of pressure. Like I just, I'm not interested in putting myself in that pressure cooker, but he was ready. He was amped. He was extremely good. And the day rolled around and he grew like a tribute Alex Trebek mustache from back in the day. And that's how he played the game. And it was very obvious. That's what he had done. He crushed like the first round on Jeopardy. And then like after he missed one question, that sort of negative momentum caught up with him and it was a rough go from there on out, but it was so fun to watch. It was really fun to go through that experience with my friend and see how he did. But yeah, big fan of Alex Trebek's work. It's funny how, how someone doing like a hosting job for a a TV game show, it's fascinating how much that permeated our culture. And he really did bring a lot of joy to a lot of people just by being that good at his job. Think about all the SNL sketches it, w- it inspired and all the Halloween costumes. And you, you bring up his name. Everyone knows who you're talking about. He just seemed like a fantastic guy. And he did a great job on Jeopardy for so long. So Alex Trebek, thank you. You'll be missed. You'll be celebrated. That brings us to tonight's guest. And this is, of course, a pre-recorded interview because I spoke to Spencer today's Sunday. So I spoke with him on Friday afternoon. Obviously, you know, we we don't get to talk about how he did, how it went, but I have a sneaking suspicion he did great. And I, I sincerely don't know, so I don't mind saying that. I have no idea. But he he was such a nice guy, super positive energy. I can't imagine getting to know this guy for a minute and not rooting for him, even if you're not from St. Louis. So give this a listen, and then afterwards we will talk a little bit about what makes The Weakest Link interesting from a design perspective, and the ideas I think would make a fantastic tie-in video game. So let's go ahead and hear my chat with Spencer Scott. All right. Hi, Todd. Hey, Spencer. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. How is it going? You know, going as well as things can. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> my sentiments, exactly. That's something I like about this. It's a nice positive uh, uh, topic to discuss. So let's jump right in. You you have been on The Weakest Link All at right. this point. It's about to air Monday night, 9 p.m. Central after The Voice. Is that right? Yes, that's right. You are a uh, St. Louis native? Tell me about that. We raised in St. Louis, yes. Grew up a Cardinals fan, played a little baseball there. Uh, it stayed there until I left for college. Well, let me give you the greeting of our people. Where did you go to high school? Visual and Performing Arts High School, Magnet School. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's at a different location now. I'm I'm pretty positive than when uh, I went there. I gotcha. Cool. So so tell me how you end up a contestant on the Weakest Link. Well, you know what? I always loved games. Even as a little kid, in fact, I grew up in a household with my grandmother and great-grandmother as well as other relatives, so it was this big house filled with love, and my great-grandmother, one of her favorite things to do, the sex soap operas, was watch game shows, and as a little guy, I used to just kind of sit, you know, beside her and uh, play along, and I always thought I'd win if I ever got on one, <laughs> so uh, it got old enough and was in a location as it turned out where I had a chance to audition and went for it. Fantastic. So you're not only good at trivia, but you must also have zero fear of pressure whatsoever. Cause of all the game shows to do, the weakest link <laughs> seems like a, uh, there are not many more in terms of pressure on being on the spot. I know it's pretty, it's pretty. Intense. And, and my game was, no exception. Very intense game. Um, but I tried to tell myself going in, that, you know, the odds are low. So you just try not to let the pressure wear you down. I mean, you, you know, I, I didn't want to go in with too high expectations. Just play loose and free and let the chips fall. What was it like compared to watching on TV? What What do we not see? Is it is it rushed? What's it like? Mm, no. I guess the main thing you probably wouldn't know from watching at home is that it takes a long time. It's a it's a whole day, I know, ten hours or whatever it is. So it's not a even though by the end um, broadcast it's an hour show, it takes quite a bit of time to get there. So during the course of a long day, you get a lot of time to just think and. So that pressure does build. Tell me this. Are you an active trivia guy? I mean, do you do it a lot in your spare time or is it just strictly, you know, kind of watching on TV and being a fan? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I watch a lot of uh, TV game shows when I have a chance. Just, you know, if uh, one of the other shows are on and uh, I play a long at home and just like when I was a kid, I still think I could beat everybody. <laughs> so... But I don't go to trivia nights. I'm not into it like some people where they're playing almost professionally or, or you know, socially interacting with trivia. Uh, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I ask because that, that does seem like a big, I don't know if it's regional, but it does seem to me like St. Louis is a little bit obsessed with trivia. I've been to no shortage of events myself. All my friends seem to do it. I don't know if we're a top region for that or if it's just, uh, or if everybody's like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I think more and more you start to see trivia on its own sort of thing, uh, social platform. And yeah, there are lots of people who are really into it. And I don't know how you combine trivia with drinking. <laughs> that, would, that would cause tell me this did you guys get to do any kind of rehearsal round or was it just you, you go cold onto the set and you start the process what was that like no um there wasn't really a rehearsal round i mean there there is sort of a getting acquainted with the set a walk through 
where he'll be standing and um, maybe uh, maybe a mock or two uh, of questions just to get a sense of the rhythm of it, but no real gameplay. I, in fact, I remember thinking during the game, wow, I really saw the game as a young person years ago when it was on TV. Yeah. And there were things I didn't remember about the game. So, um, yeah, I can't really say I had much practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the game's been around for a while, obviously. It's it's just recently come back in its latest form. Jane Lynch seems yeah. great on this show. She seems like a natural. And I can't tell if she's got help from off stage or if she is extraordinarily quick on her feet. What can you tell me about that? Well, it's probably a little of both, but um, <laughs> uh, she's... <laughs> She's definitely, she's definitely great for this. She's, uh, her personality fits it. She's witty and dry at the same time. I remember that post uh, from a year ago, and it was sort of the same vibe, although I believe he was British. But yeah, yeah, she's a for this, and she's very funny. So, and there's probably somebody in her ear every now and then. I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> and still, that doesn't take away from her in the slightest. I think she's fantastic Not as a host. At all. <laughs> I think that's part for the course. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's got a couple of areas they think I would clean up in trivia. I'd clean up in a game show on these few things. What are your specialties? And do you feel like you're you're a good all arounder? I got my strong suits and I got my weak suits, you know, so I think strength would definitely be sports. You can't, you're not going to be in sports, sorry. <laughs> and then, uh, but on top of that, I'm pretty strong with science, um, uh, world history, politics, current events. Now, my weaknesses would be uh, probably musical genres, maybe. And definitely when you start getting the things like Renaissance, you know, artists, painters, opera, that kind of thing, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. And that, that would be the one thing that would cause me hesitation because I, I feel like I'm exceptional in some areas. And then I'm almost positive they'd hit me with all the wrong things on uh, any right. game show, any trivia contest. So uh, definitely props to you for, for powering through that and having no fear in this situation. <laughs> um, Thank you. Tell me, was, was it an okay experience during the pandemic? I assume that you filmed during this, this time, not long ago. So how was that? Yeah, it was very odd because, um, well, for one thing, there are no audience that would expect live audience, live studio audience, so that was impossible. And just, you know, all the extra precautions that had to be taken, staying masked all day, and, and, and um, you know, just different things to precaution regarding COVID. So that definitely added a tent to whole experience, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, again, I mean, this is such a an odd time for us and uh, a lot of difficulty finding things to smile at, things to enjoy. So uh, things like this and uh, giving St. Louis something to root for, you know, we've, we've had more than enough things to uh, worry about. It's it's nice to get a break to uh, have a hometown hero to uh, clap for. So we will be watching very closely to see how things went for you. And uh, was it a positive experience overall? Positive experience overall, absolutely. 
and a very exciting game. Very cool. We definitely will. We'll be around the TV, and uh, I look forward to bragging that I got to talk to you right before it aired. So uh, we will be watching you. This will air Monday, so tonight at 9 p.m. Central after The Voice. Good luck to you. I hope you stay safe, and I hope this was awesome for you. We will We will be very excited to watch. I really appreciate you and support St. Louis, and everybody, stay safe and be well. All right, you as well. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Awesome. So again, Spencer, thank you. NBC, thank you. And everybody tune in tonight at 9 p.m. Central Time, if you're from here in the St. Louis region, Central, and see how Spencer does. And uh, let's just take a moment to not think about politics, pandemics. Let's let's just watch and enjoy, right? So that's that's the goal here tonight. So why talk about the weakest link at all? I mean, it doesn't hurt that NBC got in touch. That, <laughs> that was cool. That was a cool experience. And uh, I hope they reach out in the future for other stuff. That that was a lot of fun to do. But when it comes to TV game shows, and I've checked out my share, probably more than my share, there are things that make The Weakest Link especially interesting. Like, it's a well-designed game. And I, I watched it as a younger person because it, it first came out when? Early, early 2000s, I guess. And it, it stands apart from regular trivia because it's sort of collaborative between the people who are competing against each other. So it's it's an interesting thing where if you're not familiar with the game, basically they have seven, eight, however many contestants. There are a lot of versions throughout the world, but they have, like the modern U.S. version, I think has eight contestants at the beginning. They go through one right after the other, right after the other, asking general knowledge questions as they describe it. Trivia questions, pop culture, history, science, you, you name it. Anything Anything is fair game. Every question has an amount of money attached to it. If it's answered correctly, you move on to the next person. There is a larger prize for the next question. And if you break the chain, because the weakest link, the theme here is chains. If you break the chain, you go back to zero. You don't get that money. And anybody can bank by saying bank at any time. That amount of money goes into the bank. And so you're trying to build up that bank with as much money as possible without missing a question when you haven't banked the money. That's that's basically the entire thing. And between rounds, each contestant gets a vote to cast for whoever they decide is the weakest link. And the person with the most votes is um, shown the door. They're the weakest link. Goodbye. So there are a few interesting elements here already from a design perspective. So you've got collaborative trivia between people who are actually competing with each other in the end because only one person gets the money. You have the banking strategy. So you have to decide 
is it too big a risk for me to try to answer a question myself because you can only bank on your turn. So you're basically betting on yourself. Do I think I'm for sure going to get this and pass the decision off to someone else? Or do I blurt bank, get us that money, but put us back at zero? If you do it wrong, that earns votes very frequently. So while you're doing this, you have ongoing evaluation that you have to do for the other players because you have to cast an informed vote or that is also considered poor gameplay if you don't cast a smart vote. They do talk about statistically who was the strongest player, the weakest player, and so on. There's all sorts of data that they collect behind the scenes, but you, at least it appears as far as I can tell, as the player, you simply have to sort of keep track mentally. And that's a clever mechanic. That's that's a smart thing. You have to determine who the weakest link is by yourself so you can cast a smart vote, appear intelligent to the, the other players, and if you want to vote strategically later on, you can do that. So there's... There's pressure on you both to answer the questions correctly, also to bank correctly, and then to cast smart votes. That's pretty interesting. Finally, when you're down to two players, they face off back and forth, alternating questions, five questions, winner takes all. So if you think about it, if this wasn't a TV game show and someone you found on Twitter came up with this game, you would think it was pretty clever. I would. That's a decent game, right? So what's interesting about that in terms of design and design of games is as far as I can tell, it's only been adapted to consoles for video game purposes one time. And that was in 2001. It was by Traveler's Tales, who now is famous for Lego games, of course, but uh, Activision published. And it seemed to me, I've not played it, but I did a bunch of research on it here because I was curious about this at this point. And it seems to me that it was a pretty faithful creation of the game from TV. It was all 3D, so they like recreated the set. They had real players that they created. And for all their efforts, the game got kind of mixed reviews. It did a lot of things very well. It did some interesting things gameplay-wise. The player could set question difficulty. The player could set rules for the artificial intelligence characters on how they bank. You could set banking rules for the other players. And uh, one interesting element of this, if you're not familiar with the show, is traditionally the host is strictly business, not particularly friendly or warm. And in fact, in some cases, they are, <laughs> I, I use this word lightly, but they sort of abuse the contestants. That's sort of the hook of this thing. It's kind of funny to watch the hosts and the players go back and forth. And Jane Lynch in this new First of all, the first one was Ann Robinson. She did a fantastic job. Everyone felt she was a genius, and I, I am no different. She did a fantastic job, and now Jane Lynch is doing the same role. She is also, I believe, an executive producer for the show, and she also does a fantastic job. As I asked Spencer during the call, like, is she is she getting help on this, or is she tremendously fast on her feet? He th- seemed to think it was both, and I think he's probably right. She has a, a long history in improv. Fantastic actress, and she does really well giving these contestants the business. It's very entertaining to watch. But so this game that came out in 2001, there was a special setting that players could set the abuse level (laughs) that they would receive between rounds. And we're talking about like host commentary when you get voted off, stuff like that. And not only could you tone this setting down, you could also turn it up if you wanted to be particularly abused by the host. The game had local multiplayer, but there was no online play. And this was at a time where online play was a bit more difficult. I kind of understand. 
But so as a result, you could play with the family, but they kind of had to crowd around the PC. And I'm sure that was difficult or the crowd around the uh, PlayStation. I get it. So people were like, yeah, good. Could have been better. Here's the thing. I think the modern day was a great time for this show to come back. I think the modern day is also ripe for a fantastic video game edition of The Weakest Link. Some of you know, game shows have a rough time on consoles and on PC and mobile games. It's It can be dicey, much the way movie adaptations are. But I say this could be done if you take elements from a few different sources. So... I hate to say this, but because trivia has been done really well on mobile a few times, there are a few mobile mechanics that could be borrowed to great effect here. And let me let me skip ahead a little bit. I think the best way to do this is to have a cross platform wide release on console, mobile devices, PC, you name it. And I I do think there should be single player, but I think that should be kind of a more of a mini game. And you should put the giant focus on live online play. And when I say live online play, maybe you remember when they did one versus a hundred on Xbox Live. Everyone I talked to who played that thought it was fantastic. And it's a shame they don't do that anymore. But the way this worked was there would be a schedule for one versus a hundred online, just like there was a schedule for it on TV. I think that could work here too. Do live online play. The reason for that is, I can think of two reasons off the top of my head. For one thing, it would attract many, many, many players. I guess the sub reason beneath many players is you could advertise, you could do less ads than you would do on TV with probably eventually way more eyes on them. I feel like the game could pay for itself very quickly. But the other element of that is you would have no problem bringing in enough players to have really interesting games. And you say, okay, so you have tons of players. Well, the weakest link, we're talking eight players. Maybe you could stretch it to nine or ten. Right. I think the thing to do is to leverage audience play. So by all means, have eight main contestants. But then also let other players play along while they watch these contestants compete. Everybody gets to answer all the questions at home, while eight random players are selected from that player base to be the main show contestants. So while they're playing, I can play while I'm watching, I can answer the same questions, and I can have my stats tracked, like during this, you know, you could do seasons or however you want to schedule this, but I could have these cumulative stats that follow me, you know, maybe that helps me get matched up with a different class of players who are, you know, better at this or worse at this, maybe I'm the one who's bad at this, who knows. But then with those stats, you can do tournaments, prizes, season standings, you could get live hosts to uh, to introduce the events and stuff. I think if that were to have enough support and the right resources behind it, which I, you know, it would, that could be a fantastic draw that would be cross-platform, tons of eyes. And if you think about the way you advertise on an event like this, it's a lot different from TV advertising because what do you do when, when commercials come on on TV? You reach for the remote, right? I'll check out another channel for a minute. I'll run to the kitchen If you've got players waiting to play a game, that's a lot different. They're not going to go anywhere. They might glance down at their phone for a second, but they are pretty much engaged while those ads play because they know it's time to play as soon as this starts and I have to be here. I got to be ready. That's another more engaged form of advertising you get to do on this kind of gameplay. They they did this in the one versus 100 game to pretty fantastic effect, I thought. The ads weren't very intrusive. I know they probably generated a lot of revenue. 
I can't imagine the game was very hard to develop or maintain. I think something like that for The Weakest Link would be fantastic. And this was just kind of a fun exercise because, you know, as designers, we think about, you know, what kind of small thing could I develop and turn around, put on Steam? You never, I never really stopped to think about, you know, if I was designing something massively multiplayer in the casual online space, like how would I go about it? And I, I missed that old one versus 100 thing. Trivia stuff does pretty well. The, the biggest change you'd have to make from the game itself is it would have to, I, I feel like it would have to be some kind of multiple choice. Now I'm not saying it has to be like two or three options, but you could assign 10 choices to different buttons. It, it would have to be something like that. Players would have to be able to, I don't think you could easily do text entry. And here in the smartphone era, I think you would need to leave the question counter very short. So you would have to give players a pretty short period to answer. And again, multiple choice would have to play into that too. So this was just for fun. Like, tell me, tell me after you hear this, how you would change a game like that or how you would do it. Cause it's just fun to think about fun to imagine. So here again, I want to thank Spencer Scott for appearing on the show, calling me during his big time. We will be watching you here on NBC at 9 PM central time after the voice to see how you do on the weakest link. Good luck to you. If you guys enjoy Game Dev Breakdown, I would love if you would subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Hit that follow button on Spotify. Leave those ratings and reviews in the Apple Podcast app. That helps us get the word out. We have show notes at CodeWriteplay.com. We run a Discord server that you can find the link to on CodeWriteplay.com as well. We're on social media at GameDevPod at CodeWriteplay, and I am at MechaToddZilla with one D and two L's. Check out the weekend show, Game Dev Breakdown Radio, that's exclusive on Spotify. We have licensed music, more interviews, things like that. That's been really fun, and it's actually doing very well over there. So uh, check that out. Make sure you don't miss it. We are, for next weekend, I'm going to play some 30-second game pitch clips. So if you want to pitch your game... Leave a voice message for the show on Spotify, and I will get to as many of those this weekend as I possibly can. We'll do something else here on Thursday. Uh, Lego just released a mini game tutorial thing that I haven't played with yet, but it's available in the Unity store. And I think it's like no code tutorials for basically new people to the game development space. But I'm going to play around with that and sort of report back on Thursday and see if it's something either you might want to check out or that you can keep in mind for those many people who come to you and go, what is all this game development stuff? How can I get into it? How can my kid get into it? That's going to be a biggie. And in fact, our, our buddy Matt just told me, like, I play every Lego thing I can think of. If you made something with that, I would play that too. So just for fun, we might have to make a game for Matt to play. <laughs> but in the meantime, send me feedback, show topics, news, anything. This is your show just like it's mine. I will talk about anything you want to hear about. Otherwise, love chit-chatting with all of you on social. Thank you again to NBC for helping me set this show up. That was fantastic. I never would have expected that, but I sure enjoyed doing it. And uh, I'll do more of this kind of thing as the opportunity arises. We can always tie it back to game development, especially when it's a game to begin with. So work hard this week, everybody. Make me proud. And I will be back talking to you again on Thursday. Congratulations on your game dev breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me.